0: is an odyssey original
1: this is coronavirus daily i'm charles feldman
2: and i'm ken charles from the knx studios in los angeles it's not a mandate but soon california is going to require state employees and healthcare workers to either show proof of vaccination or get tested weekly just like new york has done and now the va has done
1: yeah it's a growing trend actually the carrot or the You know, the stick. Do we need more incentives or something stricter to get more African-Americans, for example, vaccinated?
2: They in L.A. County and throughout the country are the most hard hit with the current surge of coronavirus hospitalizations and, yes, even death and a snow leopard. Uh, for one of the more interesting uh, segues of today at the San Diego Zoo, tested positive for COVID-19 and is now in quarantine. How did they find out? The snow leopard had sniffles.
1: I know. And I and I feel I've been ever since I heard this story a little bit earlier, I, I feel so bad for the snow leopard. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I picture the snow leopard with like a box of Kleenex you know, with a runny nose and some teeth <laughs> and some tea, yeah, and some and, tea. And, and all because
2: one of the people who are charged to keep the snow leopards safe yeah. clearly <laughs> didn't get vaccinated.
1: Oh, let's see. Uh let's start though with a big announcement from California Governor Gavin Newsom. Starting next month, state employees and healthcare workers uh, in California, they are going to have to show proof of vaccination or undergo weekly COVID-19 testing where they take that giant, you know, tip in Well, you know, Dr. David Agus is professor of medicine at USC's Keck School of Medicine. Doctor, is this the right call?
3: Unfortunately, it's not a mandate in California. It's either showing you have vaccines or being tested regularly. You know, healthcare workers have made a choice to help other individuals and to not cause harm. And so as part of that choice, we have to accept vaccination. And I think every medical group in the country is stepping up and saying that, and many hospitals are starting to enforce that. And that makes sense. It is, you know, inappropriate for a healthcare worker to potentially see somebody who can be immune suppressed or have other issues and spread the virus. And, you know, states are saying, hey, listen, we're going to use all of our resources to help people in the state. So we cannot afford to have the virus spreading within the state. And uh, uh, so this does make sense. The vaccines work. The vaccines are safe. And the vaccines stop spread of the virus dramatically so, and so we have to go that direction.
4: Dr. Agus, how much simpler will it be for the issue of vaccine mandates when the FDA finally transitions from emergency approval to full approval?
3: You know, I spoke to the White House today about this same issue is because, you know, what the difference is, it's a three-month follow-up versus a six-month follow-up. All the data have been submitted. The FDA has that data. There's no question they're going to give it a full approval. The sooner that happens, the better, because I do think many people have put it as a stick in the sand. Hey, once we hit that, I'm going to get aggressive, whether you're a CEO of a company and its employees, whether you know it's a church telling all of its members to do it before they can come to services or a state. and so it is critical that that approval comes through. My hope and prayers are. That happens in the next month. Um, and, I, and I think many others are pushing the FDA in that regard.
1: Now, if you look at the the polling, though, uh, even after that happens, uh, it looks like, you know, not an insignificant insignif- number of Americans are still going to dig in their heels and say, nah, we're, we're not convinced we're not going to get vaccinated. What do you do about those people? Is it necessary to do anything about those people or will it be too small a percentage of the population to worry about?
3: I think you know you have a right not to be vaccinated in our country. Nobody can force you as an adult to have a vaccine. That being said, there are going to be certain areas and certain uh, behaviors that you need a vaccine to do. Springsteen said, "You in a vaccine to go to my Broadway show," and that was a powerful statement of leadership. And I think we're going to start to see it in many employment. You can work in the office only if you're vaccinated. You can come to this uh, venue only if you're vaccinated. And having digital certificates to show individuals that it is safe for you to be there. And the reason they're doing it is not to discriminate because of safety. If you go and you're not vaccinated, there's potential for spread to others of this horrible Delta variant. And we just want to protect as many people as we can. So you have a right to do it, but you cannot have certain privileges that are associated with having immune protection from the virus.
4: Dr. because you make a really interesting point about influencers and you talk about Bruce Springsteen with, with his, uh, his show, On the other side of the issue, you've got people like uh, Eric Clapton, who's who's absolutely furious about the fact that uh, people be vaccinated before coming to his concerts. You know, we've really got to get this country to come together.
3: Well, listen, I mean, I think if you ask the country, are you for Bruce or for Eric? I think you're going to have a lot more going for Bruce. <laughs> um, that's just my opinion, though. But I, but I do think, yes, I think it is very dangerous when people say, I don't I want people coming who are unvaccinated to a concert. That is the potential for harm in a significant way. And we cannot allow people in this country to be harmed with spread of the virus. You know, maybe it is young people and maybe they won't be that sick, but maybe they're going to have health care problems from the virus later in life. Maybe they're going to bring it home to grandma or their neighbor. And as we're seeing now, we're having uptick in number of cases in almost every state in the country on a weekly basis.
4: All right, Dr. Regus, thank you for your time again today.
1: Right now, African-Americans dealing with the worst of the COVID surge caused by the Delta variant. Black residents in L.A. County, for example, represent the biggest share of new COVID cases and are the only demographic group seeing a rise in COVID deaths.
2: And that's not just the case in L.A. County, but it's in many other counties and many other states across America. Maxine Waters is the Democratic Congresswoman representing much of southern Los Angeles or South L.A., which is one of those hard hit areas. Congresswoman, what can we do to either incentivize or maybe mandate vaccines in the minority communities?
0: Well, uh, that's a good question, and I think the entire community uh, must get involved in this. Our ministers, our social clubs and organizations, everybody's got to get involved. We know that there is a vaccination hesitancy, and some of that's based on, you know, a history of experimentation on Blacks, uh, particularly as it relates to the uh, syphilis uh, uh, experiment that was done on Blacks, and so that has circulated in the black community for many years. And so we've got to get people beyond that. And so uh, we've got to get uh, everybody vaccinated. Yes, I just had a conversation uh, with a nonprofit uh, that I was talking with about what can be done. Uh, The gentleman that I was talking to had lost five members of his family. And of course, you know, I lost my sister in another city uh, in St. Louis. So I am very much aware of uh, what we should be doing, what we need to do. And I am now focusing on the possibility of incentives. Some of the cities, some of the states around the country are using incentives very successfully. And so the conversation that I had today was to uh, engage uh, uh, the head of that nonprofit about uh, the idea of using incentives, we're coming up with some ideas about how to do that and what the incentives are going to be, uh, because aside from, you know, the urging, uh, the, the the threatening, uh, the pushing, uh, it hasn't gone as well as we would like. And still, there are too many people who have not been vaccinated, well, okay, so but we're going but, to try uh, incentives.
1: OK, well, but, you know, uh, there are those who would make the other argument, though. They would say that we've gone through the incentive phase, uh, you know, uh, free tickets to concerts, uh, you know, a free pair of, of uh, uh, you know athletic shoes, the whole the whole works. And yet those who at this point, are not vaccinated, for whatever reasons, seem to be beyond incentives. And so there has been this this growing movement. You see it in New York City with what the mayor of New York City is doing. You see it here in California with Governor Newsom today saying that all state workers and healthcare workers are going to have to either show proof of vaccination or be tested on a weekly basis, which is a, a, an inconvenience, to say the least. So what I'm getting at, Congresswoman, is are we really moving past the incentive phase? No, and, we're do we, not. and do we need to make no, it mandatory? Not.
0: No, we're not. There are not enough incentives that have been done in California, and in the Los Angeles County. Uh, there have been some hits and misses, uh, but no, there's not enough incentives. And I think we need to keep incentives. In addition to that, I think we need to be masked uh, and uh, we need to do the social distancing. There needs to be some enforcement of some of this. And I do believe that it's all right uh, before people can get into certain places uh, that they have to prove uh, that they have been vaccinated. It's all of that. But no, I don't think there have been enough incentives. And I am going to focus on that also.
1: So are you ruling out mandatory vaccinations?
0: Oh, I don't think that there can be mandatory vaccinations. I think that there should be under certain circumstances, ways by, for example, healthcare workers uh, can be told as a healthcare worker, you have to be uh, vaccinated in order to be here, you can't be, you know, giving people shots and you're not vaccinated yourself or taking care of people. I think there's some ways to do that. But when you say mandatory, I don't know what you mean. Do you mean that uh, anywhere, anytime, any place you go, you have to prove that you've been mandatorily vaccinated? And who will uh, be enforcing that? I think that's a big, big issue that needs a lot more um, discussion, concern, Uh, understanding, et cetera. You can't just say mandatory. What does that mean?
1: Well, all right. Let's explore one of those. Do you think that private uh, enterprise, that businesses should make uh, vaccinations mandatory for employees?
0: Well, I think, again, uh, I think you cannot simply uh, rule uh, that businesses have to make a their employees mandatory. You can, a lot of things that the businesses can do. uh, They can say to them uh, that if we are all going to be safe and if you're going to be safe, we should all be vaccinated. There are ways that you can get people vaccinated, working to keep their jobs, uh, to do the jobs that they're supposed to do. But when you say mandatory, you have to also include in that enforcement and how it's going to be enforced and what the penalties are going to be and all of that. You can't just throw that out.
1: But, you know, you're going to have people, Congresswoman, who are going to say, wait a minute, this is then, uh, in, in effect, uh, giving a reward for people who are not getting vaccinated when people who were early responders and did the right thing by getting vaccinated are not benefiting from that.
0: No, I think you got it wrong. I think what happens is, to the degree that we can encourage people through incentives to get vaccinated, that makes us all safe. That makes us all safe. Whether or not you have been uh, vaccinated and you've had two shots and Uh, you're around someone who has not been vaccinated, you could again. Yes, that's right.
1: You're you're absolutely right about that. But but my point of the question is that you're going to have some people who are going to say, wait a minute, why should somebody who has not gotten vaccinated and is therefore helping the spread of the virus benefit from, you mentioned cash payments, benefit by getting paid money to do something that, that other people did without money a long time ago?
0: Well, they can ask the question all they want, but my goal is to get them vaccinated, and so somebody thinks that somebody getting some money is better off than they did uh, or they are because they didn't get any money it's you know it's a feeling it's a concern, but it doesn't bother me. Uh, my mission is to get people vaccinated. If I can do it through incentives, if there are people who don't like it, there'll be a lot of people who will like it and say thank you, Miss Waters, for doing it.
4: Los Angeles area congresswoman. Maxine Waters.
1: So we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, yeah, it's the story about that sad snow leopard. A snow leopard at the San Diego Zoo, testing positive for COVID-19, is now in quarantine, along with three leopards that share its habitat. Although you wonder, if, if the snow leopard is in quarantine, how much does that kind of, like, disrupt its life?
2: I don't know what a snow leopard does every day. I mean, it's not going to work. No, it's not watching TV. No, I mean, so, like,
1: what is it? What's the difference to? I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess
2: he can't do it with his other three
1: mates. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes I, You know, that makes sense. And remember, by the way, during the early stages of the pandemic, there were several uh, lions and tigers.
2: And bears, oh my.
1: <laughs> I keep thinking, yeah, it's like the Wizard of Oz that tested positive for COVID 19 at the Bronx Zoo
2: from gorillas to chimpanzees that have tested positive at zoos and animal care facilities across the world. Ron McGill is a wildlife expert and communications director for the Miami-Dade Zoo. Ron, we hear that it was a cough and a runny nose that led to this diagnosis.
5: Yeah, that seems to be one of the most common symptoms we're seeing in animals that are contracting the COVID virus. It's basically kind of a dry cough and a runny nose and sometimes a fever.
1: So i, I... I guess we should be concerned if any animal gets it. But as far as we know, other than humans, do animals die
5: from COVID? We have not had any animals other than minks. Some minks on the mink farms have died. We found that mustelids, which include the minks, weasels, otters, they can contract the virus. We've had no zoo animal, uh, any of the, the lions or the tigers or the primates, uh, show even very serious symptoms. We've had them have a dry cough, a mild fever, but uh, all of them have made full recoveries from those symptoms. Now, that having said that, we do know that some minks have died on these large mink farms in Europe. Uh, so, you know, that may be a combination of just having a massive amount of animals in a small crowded space and the overwhelming stress of that type of environment you know, combined with the virus led to their death. But I, I must say that any zoo, I no zoo animals to this date, have shown any severe symptoms from the virus.
4: And Ron, let's talk a little bit about what happens now that they found that COVID is in fact in, in this animal. I know the, the exhibit at the uh, San Diego Zoo is now closed off from the public. I, I take it that the animal now goes into quarantine. What are some of the next steps?
5: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, all the uh, the staff that works with animals, generally speaking, in all AZA accredited zoos, all staff working with the cats, the primates, the mustelids, they're all wearing uh, you know very strict PPEs working around those animals. We have not had any case of a zoo animal transferring the virus to a human. All the cases that we've been able to document in zoos, at least in North America, have been documented back to a keeper transferring it to the person. You know, having said that, our our belief is that this virus originated from a bat. So it is possible, I guess, that it comes from an animal, but we haven't had any zoo animal transfer that virus to a person. So that animal is not going to be in quarantine. Uh, We're going to be doing basically kind of a contact tracing to any keeper or any animal that those keepers have come in contact with, and check for signs and do COVID testing. It, now, a lot of it, I was, I was going to ask: Is there a vaccine, a COVID vaccine for animal use? Yes, I was just going to get to that. Ah. We, uh, we we do have now an experimental vaccine that many zoos are using, um, are now administering to a lot of their felines and some of their primates. It is an experimental vaccine. It's different than the human vaccine. I don't want people to think, oh, we're, we're taking a human vaccine and using it on the animals. No, this is made by a totally different company. It's being supplied pro bono to these institutions to use them to, uh, to, to, to work on these animals on an experimental phase. All initial tests have indicated that it's safe for the animals. Now only time will tell if it is, in fact, effective with the animals. Are there, are there major
4: differences between the type of vaccine that is given to a, a human as opposed to an animal?
5: You know, I couldn't tell you for sure. I'm not a veterinarian. I haven't done the vaccine. I do know that it is a different vaccine. You used a different base to create the vaccine. So there are some differences. I just don't know the extent of those differences.
1: I'm actually wondering whether any of the animals will refuse the
5: vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Well, you know, the way I look at that is that, uh, you know, a lot of zoos now are issuing these vaccines. And basically, it's like, you know, I don't think you ask your uh, your one-year-old, your two-year-old child, will you accept this vaccine for polio or whatever? You just give them the vaccine because it's what's best for them. And that's our responsibility for the animals we care for.
4: Ron, thank you so much for your time today.
5: Always a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen.
1: Ron McGill, a wildlife expert at the Miami-Dade Zoo. All Kimberly Cooley wants to do is hug her six-year-old nephews, but she can't. Cooley received two doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. That was back in February. But blood tests show the shots didn't give her antibodies against the virus. that's because, like millions of Americans, Cooley takes medications that suppress uh, her immune system. She lives in Montgomery County. That's in Mississippi, where only 37 percent of residents are fully vaccinated. For now, she can only dream of the day her nephews can come to her house for a sleepover, something that they used to do all the time before COVID.
2: That's got to be really frustrating. She did everything right. Yeah. She got vaccinated. She got two, not just one. She wasn't partially. And yet she still came down with the virus and she still can't be with her nephew. And,
1: you know, uh, the drug companies, all of them that make the vaccines, they are trying to figure out what to do, whether it's an extra shot or something for people who are on medications that suppress the immune system or who have diseases that do that. Something that they can can use to give them some degree of protection against COVID.
2: Well, stay tuned to this podcast because when they have the answer to that question, we'll have it right here on Coronavirus Daily. And you can find Coronavirus Daily and other podcasts like this on odyssey.com, the odyssey.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And of course, please hit the subscribe button so you get this show every day.
1: And if you see a snow leopard and it's sneezing and coughing, hug it, but not too close.